Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Josh with today's message. It is good to talk to you guys today about 2 Timothy. I do love this book. It's probably why I went seven minutes long because the contents of this book is a very personal letter that is written to a, a, a young man in ministry by his mentor. Uh, Paul is on his deathbed. He's in prison. And you can imagine when you're facing end of life, you start to evaluate what truly is important. And one of those things that was important to him was this relationship with Timothy. And um, I see him pouring into this letter. If you read chapter one, he uses phrases like, I think about you night and day. Uh, I remember the tears uh, that we shared. And like you think about the moments that you share with people that are cemented. If there's any kind of emotion like that, you would never forget a moment that you truly wept with someone. And so Timothy was someone that was very close uh, to Paul. And Paul wrote this letter from prison knowing that the end of his life was near and he was needing to share with Timothy final words of encouragement um, because he may not get to write another letter. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed to, by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who, who will be able to pass them on to others. And where we're going to look today is how he's going to go about doing this. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all of these things. And so I was thinking about Paul has accurately shared with Timothy, and because he shared with Timothy, he's accurately shared with us the message of the gospel that he's wanting brought to the church where he's uh, stationed in Ephesus. It's a, a Middle Eastern town on the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, that message was uh, Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected. Uh, he said this in verse 8, Never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it. This is the message of the good news. Not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Uh, so he shared what it was we're going to be, he wanted shared. We shared with you last week where we feel like God is calling you to take that message. Uh, we, we challenge you with this thought of where are your spaces. Where there's a giant map in the plaza if you have not been out there. Uh, with pins where you as an individual can go out and place a pin where you live, where your neighborhood is, where your family is, uh, where you work or where you go to school, uh, where uh, your hobbies or activities are. There literally should be thousands of pins out on that map. And if you haven't had a chance to look at that yet 
or, or to go out there and do that, I want to encourage you following this service to please go do that because it's very important for us to understand where we're supposed to take the gospel. But in addition to that, I get the privilege to talk to you this morning about how you take the gospel into those areas. And why this is exciting to me is this is kind of like the practical application of what are we going to do with this. I understand uh, what, I understand where. Would somebody please just tell me how? And we're going to give this a shot today. And I was thinking about it because it's not enough to simply know material. And it's not enough to simply know where that material is supposed to be taken. Uh, a lot of times there is nuance to the how. I mean, if you've ever been in a relationship with a friend, uh, a coworker, a spouse, a sibling, any other human being on the face of the planet for longer than five minutes, you have heard this phrase. It wasn't what you said. It was how you said it, right? Tell me how that phrase hasn't got more than one person in trouble uh, more than once. I, I was thinking about how you say things kind of relating to sarcasm in conversations. And I feel like sarcasm is like the uh, cayenne pepper of conversation seasoning, right? So hear me out on this. Cayenne pepper has no business in your uh, lemon meringue pie. Cayenne pepper has no business in your banana cream pie. Sarcasm has no business in some conversations. Am I right? And also, cayenne pepper, if you go a little too far on your pork chops, you will not be able to eat those pork chops. Some of you are like, Challenge accepted. I will show you. I can take any amount of cayenne. Good, good for you. That's not me. Too much cayenne pepper does ruin a dish. Too much sarcasm in a situation will also ruin a relationship or ruin a conversation. Um, you know, I've found this out the hard way in my own life. And so it's not just knowing what we are taking and where we're going to take it, but how we step into those conversations and into those relationships is huge. It's monumental. We have to know how with social skills and nuance we're going to step into um, those moments. And Paul uses three very familiar circumstances to explain this to Timothy. The first one he says, he says, look, you need to look at yourself as a soldier that's standing a post. And there was a, there was a map that Dan used last week to illustrate all of Paul's missionary journeys around the Mediterranean. You can see that behind me. It's dotted by, by cities and ports, and there's lines, and he took more than one trip and over the course of Paul's life, he took all these missionary journeys where uh, he brought the gospel with his voice, with his feet. Uh, he would write letters with his hands and give them to people to deliver. And he was very intentional. And all of this ro known Roman world was a part of the Roman Empire that was guarded by all of these outposts by soldiers. And it was spread out across the Middle East, and you would know that in order for that kingdom to stand, the soldiers at those posts had to take their job, their responsibility, very seriously. Because in that environment, lives would be at stake on the outskirts of the empire. If that soldier did not wake up every day and understand how he was to go about his post, he would, he would leave lives at risk, whether it was his fellow soldiers or whether it was the civilians in the town that he was called to command and guard. And I was thinking about that, that as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, each one of the pens 
that is on that map in the plaza represents a post. Like, like we don't have like, maybe we could call it Third City's missionary journeys and we would trace lines where, where your life takes you on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And all of those places, those pins represent a post where God has placed you. There's places where God has placed me that he hasn't placed you, and it's my calling and my responsibility to engage with that post in a certain manner to represent the kingdom of God and the gospel in that environment, because if I don't, who else will? And as I was looking at this and thinking about how we've captured some stories in this uh, series of people that have faithfully stood their post, I was thinking about people that have been called to stand a post that maybe they didn't want. Because sometimes the post that God calls us to stand for him might be a lot of fun. It might be out front. It might be full of energy. Sometimes we're called to stand a post that is full of grief, that is full of sadness, that is full of um, maybe some level of isolation. And I love that we've gathered a huge variety of stories to share with you. And this morning, I want you to keep the idea of the post that you are called to stand as we listen to my friend Ramona's story of her standing her post. Now, before we start, can we have prayer? Absolutely. Yes. We'd love to. Our gracious Father, you know that this is an experience that I've never experienced but Lord, you guide my steps. And this is what you ordered for today. So Lord, I love, I love the work of, of what uh, is going on at Third City. And I pray God that they do not see Ramona Trout, but they see Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory, and that through him, they can have, live and move and have their being and live for him in the days as I have chosen to do. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, amen. Well, I don't know how many of you people know me, but I'm Ramona Shrout. Uh, about three years ago when I turned 90, I said, Lord, I, I just haven't suffered much like you have. The Lord showed me that if I didn't suffer, I wasn't gonna reign. And it was from then on that I started to have one thing after another of my infirmities of my body from um, pneumonia. And then the biggie was the gallbladder surgery. I never, I never dreamed there could be that much pain, but uh, he brought me through that and I didn't want to live. I wanted to go home, but it was something he wanted me to, to endure and he brought me back and I said, God, did you bring this piece of clay back? I wanted to go home. And this is what he said. It wasn't a verbal, but it was very plain. Ramona, I want you to tell people that I'm coming soon, and I want them to get ready to meet me, and I, I've left you for this purpose. Knowing that, it gives me something to wake up to every morning. And who's it gonna to be today, Lord? and who am I going to meet, or who am I going to share, or, or what are they going to do? I think that prayer, I think we've neglected it. I think it's a wonderful tool. And uh, 
He said, we have not because we ask not. And one of the things he has taught me is there's never anything too big for me, for God. There's never anything. So I don't care how big or how small. He is going to, um, he blesses. And blessing comes from obedience. And I feel, I feel so blessed, so blessed every day. Ramona's words, it gives me something to wake up to every day, a purpose. And I will tell you that in knowing Ramona, uh, she isn't asking for the post that she is standing. Uh, it's not what she would want. You heard her talk about it, that her heart longs to be with Jesus. Uh, her heart longs for what will come next at this piece of her life. She's ready for what's next. Uh, but she goes, I understand that I wake up with a purpose every day. And as I looked at Ramona's uh, living space, uh, she had this dining room table with six chairs at it. And she has friends that sit at that table to hear the good news of Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected for their glory. And she knows that she has a purpose every day of that. That reason to wake up. And she also said that uh, where she eats in the cafeteria, people tend to like to sit in the same spot. And if you know Ramona at all, she is a people person. She walks in, she uh, rolls into the cafeteria, and she looks for a new person every meal. Where can I sit so that I can have a conversation? Ramona is being faithful to the calling of the post of where God has placed her. She would likely put all three of her pins in the same place. It's where she works, it's where she lives, it's where her activities are. It's all of it in the same location. But she's being faithful to her calling, just as a good soldier would be at their post. The second illustration that Paul uses is one of an athlete. Um, that day and age, they would use the phrase, run, as, run in such a way as to win the prize. Athletic competition was a, was a common thing, and there was glory in winning, but in, in the first century, there was a lot of glory in how you competed. Uh, this is something that I think has probably escaped our culture a little bit, uh, that we become more and more focused on just winning, and it doesn't matter the means by which that you get to the win, but that wasn't the case in the first century, which is why when Paul was writing to Timothy, he was saying, you need to compete to win. the. No one wins the prize unless they compete by the rules. And I was thinking about what rules exist in your spaces when you're bringing the gospel into those areas. And it kind of reminded me of every fall, I, I really enjoy taking in multiple local football teams, uh, Friday night games. And early in the season, I will look at the sideline before I look at the roster and who's playing. And there will always be these just massive young men that are tall, muscular. Man, it just looks like, man, that guy's going to get on the field. He is going to just absolutely destroy people. And, and it turns out that oftentimes this person never even sees the field. And I always wonder, but it has to do with the rules by which that you engage the game because they have the tools, they have the physical tools of the body and the muscles and the skeleton and the, the, the stature, 
But do they understand the rules of the game, the rules of the team, the rules of their body and how to use it in an athletic manner? Because it doesn't matter if you just simply have the answers and you've memorized all the scripture and you've attended church and you never miss and you've gone through this program and that program. It's not enough to simply walk into an environment and go, I have an answer for every question that you may have. Uh, that's simply not the rules of engagement in your spaces. And I realized that I could sum this up in a very simple phrase. The people at your work in your school, the people in your home and in your neighborhood, and the people where your hobbies and activities are will not even give you a chance to be heard until you've made sure that they are known, valued, and loved. That is your access key. That is the rule of the game in order for you to be able to see the field and have an opportunity for the gospel to win in the lives of those people around you is those people around you have to feel known, valued, and loved. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, this is a common uh, this is a common uh, chapter that is used at weddings, but I'm telling you, it is the blueprint for how to bring the gospel into your spaces. Paul says this to a church in Corinth. He says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, it does not... Uh, it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. The people that God is bringing next to you in life want to be known, valued, and loved, and that will be your key to being heard if you want to know the rules of engagement in your spaces. You can take 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and just read that every night and go, this is how I'm going to present myself in my spaces. The third illustration that Paul uses with Timothy is one that would encourage him to expect God to show up, to expect God to do something wonderful in your spaces. He says, the hard work of a farmer is not is, a, is not overlooked. He said the farmer should be the first to get to experience pieces of the harvest. And I was thinking about that. That day and age, farming was, everybody would have been very familiar with agriculture, that there's a moment that you break the ground and you put seed into the ground because you expect a harvest to come in the fall. There would be a moment that you weed your crops because you understand that a harvest is coming in the fall. There would be a moment that when the sun is high and, and the days are long and it's hot that you irrigate your crops because you're expecting a harvest that's coming. And when late summer gets there into the fall and you start to see fruits and, and the grains develop on your, on your crops, you wait until the perfect time because you expect the seed that you planted into the ground will give you a crop a hundred times what you planted. 
the expectation of a farmer. Third city, I ask you, what kind of expectation do you take into your spaces? Do you have the expectation that God is going to do something wonderful with your coworkers, with your classmates, that, he's, that he can step in? Or do you have an attitude that's like, man, they are too far gone. It doesn't help that I would plant any seeds here. Do you have the expectation that, that with the same discipline that that farmer gets up and works hard in the spring, in the summer, in the fall, that you expect a harvest to come? Because that's what God is expecting. The, the person that gets up and just puts in the work, that farmer doesn't cause the seed to germinate. That farmer does not cause his plant to grow. He is obedient in the work because he expects a harvest that will be coming in the fall. You and I, we don't cause the gospel to take root in someone's life. We plant a seed. You and I, we don't cause lives to be changed. That's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. We'll come alongside people that are hurting and have issues that they need to work through. But the change itself, that's God's work. You and I, we're not the ones that cause a person to be convicted about the way that they're living and to feel the need to have Jesus Christ take residence into their heart. We're, We're not the ones that do that, but we may be beside them when they make a decision to walk into a baptistry and surrender their lives to Jesus. Do you have the expectation of a farmer as you step into those moments? And there may be a fourth space that we really haven't talked about that I was thinking about this week, have you allowed the gospel to step into the space of your heart? Because you know what? Sometimes we have a hard time expecting God to do something here. And if, and if we haven't allowed God to do something here, how in the world would we be able to share anything with anyone else with expectation for them to expect God to do something in their life? Maybe you're the one that needs to to get up with with discipline and and to engage with the love of Christ and allow God to do some work here so that you can step into the lives of others. You know, I talked about walking through the plaza when you leave today. I know many of you probably leave this east door, and uh, I want to challenge you today to, to go out through the west side or at least go out that way and maybe come back and take a look at that map because those spaces are deeply important. And I want to challenge you with something today. We're getting ready to step into our moment of communion. And so if you want to take out your cups and your bread, these, this cup and this bread reminds us of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. It reminds us that we're in need of saving. And we celebrate communion together on a, on a regular basis because It's important to remind ourselves that we are united with Jesus' purpose. We're united with his grace. We're united with his love. And what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to challenge you to do something. I just want you, where you're sitting, we're in a room where you can have a private moment with Jesus. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture your workspace or your school space. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about the people that you go by on a regular basis. It could be your boss, your coworkers, people that you lead. It could be classmates, teachers, principals, coaches. Picture their faces. 
because they need Jesus? How is it that you could step into their world and to love them in a way that the gospel might be heard? I want you to picture your homes and your neighborhoods, the people that live next to you, the people that live in your homes, roommates, family members that are close to you in proximity. You drive by them every day. You wave as they get their mail. What would it look like for you to love them in such a way that the gospel could be heard? What keeps you from having that conversation? Think about your hobbies, your activities. Maybe you go to the gym. Maybe you go to the mall. You see people on a regular basis. Maybe there's a restaurant that you frequent. You know your server. You know the other parents that sit at your kids' activities. You see them. You're always waiting in the same room. What would it take for you to love them in such a way that the gospel might be heard? What obstacles stand in your way? As you look at your own life, you look at your heart, maybe you need a moment alone with Jesus this morning as you take communion. Maybe you need to invite him in for the first time because you're the one in need of love unlimited so that the gospel can have a chance to make your life new. Father, we give you this moment. Lord, I ask that as we take this bread and we take this cup, we remember how you stepped in to love us first so that the gospel might change our lives. Father, I pray in this moment you would help us to receive that so we can be ready to give it to others. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Sometimes when you stand your post, you'll find yourself in an uncomfortable situation where um, things will get a little bit messy, right? But God's calling you to be there in that moment. And all he's asking of you is obedience. I wanna challenge you again. I hope God is challenging you with something scary. Uh, many of you have thought about your spaces through that exercise and you're like, someone else will be there. Someone else will take care of that. I wanna tell you, no. That's the enemy wanting to convince you to step away from a post that God is calling you to. Walk through that atrium. Place your pins. If you've already placed your pins, walk through that atrium and be encouraged that you're not alone. Timothy didn't have that privilege of knowing everything that the kingdom of God was doing in the Mediterranean. He may have had no idea. You get to be encouraged by the fact that you are not fighting this battle alone. You're not standing a post alone. Activate your space for the sake of the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.